Welcome to Arts and Culture Reimagined. I'm your host, Simone Francis, and you are listening to the Freedom Series. Ahem. Disclaimer. This podcast was not professionally recorded. Reimagined. I am super excited to be here today and chatting it up with Elisheba Morozik. And she is a fine artist and international award winning tattooist. She opened One Drop Ink Tattoo Parlor and Gallery in Nashville next to Fisk University, which is an HBCU. And I am so glad that I got the chance to visit the space earlier this year. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and now she's an award-winning tattoo artist in many categories. She's been cited on international TV show Ant Master. She's been seen in various commercials and music videos. And she has a lot of experience in graphic design, anime, fine art, just all the creative juice. And so, you know, her work is um, really profound. And currently, uh, she has a piece displayed at the First Art Museum in Nashville which is the same piece that is featured in the gallery for arts and culture reimagined on this season of freedom. And so we'll definitely be diving into that a little bit today, but also want to provide the space for her to share some of her story, who she is, her creative practice, and talk a little bit about um, her as a black woman and some of the things that she's had to go through. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to you. I want you to really share, you know, some of your background in terms of being an artist, who you are, what was the inspiration for becoming an artist and the fact that you use so many mediums, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. So um, thanks for having me, first of all. I really Absolutely. appreciate being, you know, a part of this whole series is dope. And a little bit about myself. I'm originally from Memphis and I grew up there didn't move away till I graduated from college and I went to Memphis College okay. of Art. I've always been an artsy kind of kid. You know, I paint, I draw, I play video mm-hmm. games. I was the nerd before it was cool. And <laughs> <laughs> I went to Japan in high school. I was totally into okay. it. So, yeah. And it really just kind of shaped my view of wanting to see the world and be a part of the world. And right. how many people I knew from Memphis who actually got out of that and because mm. Memphis is it's an attitude it is a thing you know and right. to kind of climb up out of it is is something that not enough people do even though Memphis is a really great place to have a crossroad to because of right. transportation hub but just growing up there and living there my grandmother being a pioneer she owned multiple businesses and apartment buildings as a black woman back in the day you know, okay. my entrepreneurial spirit, I feel like I definitely from her. And, wow, okay. you know, she ran it and she was the matriarch and she was the first black woman to move into this all white neighborhood and wow. break that color barrier and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of pioneer things. And my mom and her uh, brothers and sisters, my grandmother had eight kids, you know, they mm-hmm. all did all kind of stuff, but nobody was an artist. So I don't know exactly where that mm. came from. But um, just my experiences there led me up to um, being an artist today. And my mom supported me by getting me art classes and things like that. 
Whereas most yeah. parents are like, you know, that's not something you, that's that's playtime. You want to you think know? about another path? Exactly. And I, we had our arguments about it because she did. Right, when right. I went to art college, she was like, don't go paint no painting. You know, <laughs> take some computer animation or something. So right. I took computer animation because it was practical. I wish I would have mm-hmm. painting. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's still, you know, it helpful as well. But Right. I went to Mitch College of Art, graduated in 2006, and then I moved here to Nashville. And from there, I just kept painting and trying to create my own um, ideas. And, and I have way I have way too many ideas all the time. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my art is just trying to get that stuff out and get it out on paper. And right. a lot of stuff, too, is um, kind of ancestral soul searching. I'm I always feel like a lost child in the world because I love mm. to see other cultures. I love to experience. And I just always am like, what's, what is my culture? Where would my people have been from, you know, mm-hmm. before the, the crossover and just kind of trying to reconnect to what that is. And I feel like that black Americans, we're our own separate race now because we are mm. this own culture, a mix of many African cultures Native mm-hmm. and uh, white people all mixed in one, and plus right. our experience is different from every other person in the world. So right. you know, those things I feel like have always driven my art and what I want to say and portray. So uh, those are just kind of a couple of root yeah. causes of <laughs> pieces like this. Right, right. Um, and so you know, I. I would love for you to share a little bit about your work that you've done in Nashville before we get to the current uh, mural that's up um, titled Unmask Them. And so, yeah, I mean, what are what are the some, some of the things that you do? I know that you're very heavily involved in the community. You're creating spaces for Black folks to engage. Um, and so how did that come about you know in this in this new space right because you're not originally mm-hmm. from Nashville so it's a new space right. for you mm-hmm. and so how did you um I guess find yourself creating those spaces and becoming one with the Nashville community particularly the black Nashville community mm-hmm. right what what was that journey like for you well it was definitely like an out of the way one I never actually cared about Nashville or anything like it <laughs> right but when I when I left college or right before I left college, I just sent out applications all over the country to any okay. job I could find. I just wanted fate to kind of pick a place, mm-hmm. move me to it so that I could start building. And Nashville called me back. It was just a regular job. It wasn't any fancy art job. Mm-hmm. I was the manager of a video game store. And, okay. you know, I took it and I took my daughter and my boyfriend at the time and we packed it up moved as soon as I could and I didn't even tattoo at the time I was just recent college grad with a three-year-old and you know uh, I just came just trying to see what I could find and you know what I could do with that and from there it just built as meeting people I I'm always a person that'll insert myself into places so that I can Mm -hmm. meet people and show up because Nobody ever expects me to mm. be anywhere, you know, and mm-hmm, as a mm-hmm. black person, it goes into a lot of spaces that are not black uh, right. and it ventures to do a lot of things that are not seen as black things. 
you right. know, you have to insert yourself or they'll push you out Absolutely. or run over you or treat you bad. And from there, I met people who were interested in tattoos and sent me tattoos because I had never had interest in tattooing. And mm-hmm. so um, when I, somebody sent me a picture of a tattoo that looked like a painting, and you couldn't tell the mm-hmm. difference until you saw the body part it was on. And it was from some dude in Ukraine who is still an inspiration wow. to me to this day. And yeah. I was like, I've never seen a black person with a tattoo <laughs> like this right. on their body. Where, why are we? So I started kind of right, right. Going, getting into it and saw it was just another <laughs> industry mm, that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very closed and kind of, you know, pretty biased against dark skinned people. And so right. I'm just like, well, they're not trying hard enough. I'm going to have to go in and get in on this. <laughs> this is really interesting. People can walk around yeah. with art on their bodies that you can get them to do stuff like this. So. And it was definitely a long journey. Um, trying to get an apprenticeship was terrible. Nobody wanted to apprentice me. People wouldn't even talk to me. And it wow. ended up that I ended up being the first licensed black artist here in Middle Tennessee. And really, and that was in 2011. So if wow, you know, yeah. yeah. So if that was the first person to get a license. That means anybody else had been there was just all bootleg, and it was because right. of the gatekeepers and the people who try to, you know, stop certain people from getting into the mm-hmm. industry. And the tattoo industry itself saying that you can't do good tattoos on dark skin. It made right. black people believe it. So now we're walking around, you know, with stuff on us, not knowing what we can get. Mm-hmm. But there are so many black artists now, uh, especially in the more, what, four, five years or so, I've seen so many more pop up all around the country. And I've had the chance to meet a lot of them who are awesome. And so mm. black people are starting to see that we can get good tattoos. Mm. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that now the products will start coming because I've been trying to right. make products for us. I've got some aftercare stuff that I make that we're going to be starting to release soon, but there's no okay. products for our skin types and stuff yeah, like that. So yeah. getting into that community opened me up to even more fine art because one thing I found is that the best tattoo artists were amazing fine artists. They could paint, mm. they could draw, they could sculpt, they did so many other things. And right. so that really started my focus back into my fine art. So tattooing is something I love and I will continue right. to do. Uh, but fine art is really where, you know, I feel like that lasting uh, impressions and lessons can be had and can be shared mm-hmm. with so many more people in different places, in person, up close and isn't so ephemeral like a tattoo is so you know that it depends on that person and um, so that's how the tattooing got to me and from there I had to um, find the little loophole in the law to be able to even try to get my tattoo license I was Mm -hmm. able to find a loophole and I was able to open up my shop and here we are I had only been tattooing for what two and a half months before I opened up my shop. That's amazing. <laughs> and the rest I had to just learn and, you know, yeah. go to seminars and classes, which is right. why I'm a big proponent of meeting other artists and trying to learn what they know and teach anything that I may know to them. Right. And um, right. that too is part of why I'm so like into stuff is because I feel like everybody who has a talent and a passion should be able to do what they want without gatekeepers gatekeeping mm-hmm. for the sake of gatekeeping. Not because right. you're a bad artist. You know, they won't even right. talk to you half the time. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a 
privilege thing that they don't want this color person or they don't want a a woman or they don't want a fat woman or you know any of these check marks that Mm -hmm. have them deny this person whereas if I was a white guy who came up to them they would at least have a conversation so I want to always try to change those conversations because nobody should have to sit here and you know go outside of the bounds of the law mm-hmm. um, and not even right. the bounds of the law, just outside of the community. Nobody wants to be an outcast on purpose. Right. You know, I didn't come to this tattoo industry or to any industry to fight people about mm-hmm. being there because there's more than enough people in this world for everybody to tattoo everybody. Right. You know, like <laughs> I couldn't tattoo all the people who messaged me if I wanted. My books are closed right. and I, you know, I have two hands and one back. Mm-hmm. So, right, you know, right. that whole um, fighting and stuff doesn't help anybody because the people who flourish will flourish regardless. And those That's people so will real. get business. And you, if you're going to do your thing and, and do well, then you will get right. business. And, you'll have... and uh, so, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank you. I mean... I think, you know, it's easy not to pay attention to industries like the tattoo industry, right? But it, it's it's amazing how gatekeeping and the, the ways in which policies and procedures operate, it's it's pervasive, right? It's every single place yeah. um, that we can yes. think of. And so, I Even mean, just shedding places. light on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, one way that you've been able to also build community is doing your art crawl in Nashville. Do you mm-hmm. want to share a little bit about that and what that has, what that has uh, done for the community and, and what, what happens during the art crawl if folks don't know yeah. about it? <laughs> so the Jefferson street art crawl, we're about to celebrate our fourth anniversary. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it is just a space for, excuse me, the North Nashville community to have their businesses open up to support black arts and the arts of the North Nashville community, which is historically black, has two Mm -hmm. HBCUs within walking distance. It has uh, three HBCUs, sorry, it has Meharry as well, Medical College, Fish University, and TSU. There's a plethora of people who live there who are so creative and Mm. they don't get room in the galleries downtown. They don't get room in in the establishment art centers Mm, mm -hmm. and a lot of that I feel like comes from the fact that black art is very prideful or also very direct in a way when it comes to speaking Mm. on issues and those issues make certain people uncomfortable and they don't want people to be uncomfortable in their galleries unless it's you know black history month where they Mm -hmm. have to acknowledge it you know so um a lot of that black art is kind of very raw and also because just people aren't trained in a way so it's a lot of just people just expressing that emotion on canvas or paper or whatever and they don't know all of these channels of art they just like Mm -hmm. oh man I did a great job but I got this message across I like this but the people are kind of you know oh uh, this is mm, you didn't do this you know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not done the right way and it, it kind of snooty art thing. Whereas certain other people, they allow to break those rules and scribble on paper and right. art and charge money just because they have a good story written behind 
So Mm -hmm. a lot of those black people, you know, they may not even know how to spell out the story, um, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean their art is any less valid. um, It's just because they don't know how to navigate those halls. So that's what the Jefferson Street Art Crawl's main focus is to give those artists a platform and to give them education Mm -hmm. as well about how the art world works, if that's something they want to pursue, how to put on a show properly, you know, so that way they can get the assistance they need before they approach other places with their Right. Mm-hmm. We do portfolio days. We do uh, seminars about art business. Uh, we've done uh, community events. And my shop, One Drop Inc., does a lot of community stuff, not only with the crawl, mm-hmm. but we've mentored some kids. We've done classes, um, yeah. museums, and at schools, and just whatever we can to get art into right. these right. kids' hands and show them mm-hmm. that now is the time. I mean, especially. Right. Like, they have YouTube that can teach them any technique. Right. Just like that. <laughs> like, I wish I had this when I was young. I just spent hours right. watching YouTube. Like, how did you do that? Okay. 24-7 availability. <laughs> so I'm really just big into trying to get them exposed to stuff. And whoever wants to take it and love it right. and nurture it, that's on them. But you have to show people stuff for them to grab onto. And you have right. to show them that just copying, you know, a cartoon character they like. Mm-hmm. They have talent to do that, then they can definitely create something of right. their own. But you have to show them that it's worthwhile, not only for themselves, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that it's something that they could pursue if they want to. Right. And we have to have those creative voices in these communities to think of new ways to problem solve, especially since we're entering a whole new world right. with not only social interactions, uh, mm-hmm. and humans but as Americans who don't seem to really care about this disease because they've been blasting the fact that it only affects certain people right? and for some reason America just has this fascination with um, screw the weak mm-hmm. only the strong will survive even if it's their own weak right <laughs> right, right. That, that's really amazing um, and you know, I think it, it speaks to the way in which artists can impact social change, right? And they can make a difference. Um, and a lot of folks don't see, you know, artists and doing art as a real profession or as something that, you know, should be considered as a an honorable career, right? But I mean, artists have been at the foundation of a lot of movements, a lot of changes in the world. Um, and so I don't, I don't know where we would be without artists to be, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Right. So right. those words get spoken. And not only that, even if the words themselves aren't even able to be translated, right? somebody can see an image and still, you know, pull meaning from it and pull exactly. context and pull, you know, a message. So I mean, I love words, I love music, and I feel like mm-hmm. you use all three, visual, musical, mm. and words, like, right. that's when you get, like, this special kind of groove, but... Uh... Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so real, that's so real. So, let's let's uh, have you dive in a little bit to, to Amascom, and, you know, this is a mural that's currently in the first art museum no it um, just it just came down um okay. right before everything started uh it was up all 
uh, second half of last year that just came down at the beginning of this year, okay. uh, right before <laughs> the world yeah. crashed. You know? Okay, okay. <laughs> um, all right, so this this is a piece that is being featured in the gallery right now for Arts and Culture Reimagined. Um, it it is a a heavy piece, one that involves you know a lot of symbolism, a lot of representation, and so. You know, even if we tried to dive into this in full, we could not on this podcast. No. Um, so, so we're going to we're going to, you know, do a little a little dive. We're going to go shallow. Right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I want to be able for you, you know, to to explore a little bit and share mm-hmm. some of the significance, the symbols that um, have been, I guess, most profound for people or have sparked the most dialogue. Um, I know that you've done, you know, some talks around this piece and so what are some of the things that have come across um in those talks what are the things that come up for you that you've usually had to explain um or usually had to dive into a little bit deeper so that folks understood the message that you were trying to communicate yeah so unmask them um we were given a space in this art museum the art museum of nashville myself and other Mm -hmm. north nashville artists and I had a choice to make, you know, I could either do something just super pretty or I could right. really say something heavy while I had mm. a platform to do so. Um, and I chose to go with the latter. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And I'm a big fan of Caravaggio, who is a fine artist from some century in the past, Italian. Mm-hmm. And his work is always so deep and dark and bold. And mm. everything that is said in his piece is, it's said, it's there. There's so right. much symbolism and layers. So I wanted to kind of convey that um, by using a Renaissance-esque style of of uh, design for this piece. And mm. I wanted to focus on Mary and uh, baby Jesus uh, and adult Jesus as well, because that trifecta right. is seen and used so much in the hands of people who are in charge that Mm -hmm. you know taking it and kind of flipping the script on their blonde Mm blue-eyed you know white baby jesus white mary uh, was a big part of why i picked um and chose mary and uh, jesus as centerpiece and black women um are expected to both birth and bury our Mm. sons, daughters, fathers, everyone, you know, we carry both burdens and are kind of that rock and pillar of the whole community in times of turmoil. We keep it going. We keep us here. And that is the main reason why she's holding both baby Jesus and uh, adult uh, male. They're not actually Jesus, but just, you know, representation. And, um, we do everything to try to keep our families together and the discipline tactics, you know, emotional struggle and abuses to ourselves tend to come down mm-hmm. in a kind of a more harsh parenting style that, you know, we have to teach the harshness of the world to right. our babies. And so that's why her face is blank and her face is straight mm-hmm. ahead because she's stoic. She is on her job. She is doing both things. She's birthing. She's burying. She's mm-hmm. celebrating and she is ignoring the taunting fingers pointing at her saying it's her fault. Uh, right. So 
if you move down to the man who's been uh, killed um, or is lying in a position of death because there are no uh, actual marks on his body. He is simply mm. like laying in right. this supine position. Um, his tattoos are pretty significant, and I'll go over a couple. Um, his fingers have 619 on the back of them at the okay. bottom, and that is part of 1619, which would be the 14th, 400th anniversary of right. slave ships reaching America. Um, the 13 on his stomach represents uh, 13th Amendment, and the one half uh, next to it represents uh, the half that says you can still be a slave even mm. if uh, if you're right. convicted of a crime. So just pointing out how you're pre-condemned, you know, if you mess up even a little bit, if you have right. any mistakes in life, um, which a lot of other people, uh, of other types of people, are allowed <laughs> second chances and they're yeah. allowed to mess up. And if they get in a fight at school, they don't go straight to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. They go home and they cool off or, you know, they get another chance while the other child is expelled and um, right. detention and now treated like a criminal before he's a even criminal. gotten started. And right. they're just putting it into his brain that nobody cares and why the hell should I care? So, right. you know, those are there to point out those discrepancies. Another tattoo that was very significant was the two shots tattoo, which um, goes back to uh, Tupac song where he said two shots in the dark now Huey's dead but mm-hmm. instead of Huey I, I I believe he meant Fred Hampton because he was literally killed in the dark asleep in his house and right. the F Pro broke in murdered him and right. another Black Panther and all they had done was feed children you know and try to better mm-hmm. the neighborhood and when they saw that they were succeeding to bring people together. They were stopping gang violence. They were stopping all the right. things that they had used to criminalize the black community. Uh, they murdered him. And I feel like the two shots represents the death of the civil rights movement and the death mm. of all these people who were true leaders like right. that we got behind. And we, you know, a, most of the people came together and had to do, you know, these things to help their people. Not everybody sat around, you know, but that leadership was, you know, selfless and, you know, mm-hmm. actually happening and not, you know, covered in money and bribes and right other things. So, you know, I feel like that represents the death of Fred Hampton, that represents the death of Martin Luther King Jr., that represents the death of the civil rights movement as a whole and how from there while we did get the Civil Rights Act passed, we left it hanging because the work wasn't done. Mm, And, you know, hearts weren't changed and the people were still in charge who didn't want civil rights. And they continued to breathe that underneath the guise of the Civil Rights Act and the guise of affirmative action and all these other so-called programs to help uh, Black people and people of color. And we left it hanging and it was the death of it and we just kind of flew under the radar you know with small things happening throughout the time but no huge changes Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. civil rights so that uh, is what the two shots represents um at the one more tattoo at the top on his chest sally 
uh, just represents Sally Hemings, which was uh, the enslaved woman of President Thomas Jefferson. And he uh, right. raped her and had a lot of children. Right. And that's just kind of a homage to all of these babies out here who are mm. black and who are mixed um, with uh, the seed of their masters and who, right. you know, the women who had to suffer through having to basically be in a forced relationship mm-hmm. and live with the fact that that's how it was and had to raise their babies that way and they weren't allowed to run away, they weren't allowed to right. click block and they weren't allowed to say, um, my ancestors this. No, mm-hmm. you know, they that right. people don't understand these people's situations and when you know, nobody's like suffered in a way where if you've been beaten to a point where you can no longer fight, you know, right. and mentally or physically. Um, so you know, I never want to disrespect my ancestors and be like, you know, <clears throat> my ancestors may have took that, but I ain't, or whatever mm-hmm. they be saying. Because <laughs> right. if you yeah. put us back in that situation, we've had different privileges. So, of course, we're going to talk. Exactly. You know, when you take freedom away from someone who's been free, then you're going to have a fight. But when you have never given freedom to these people, you know, and people forget right. that, you know, people were kids or they're, you know, women and children. And if everybody doesn't rise, then only one or two people will die at a time and that will keep those right. other people in check. So <clears throat> that's just a homage to her. Ooh, Real quick. <laughs> we didn't even, we're, we're just on one body. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's I know. deep. It's deep. <laughs> I'm skipping around. I'm skipping around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is so interesting. So, so keep going, keep going. <laughs> Um, so we'll move over to the left. Um, the red robed figure is um, pointing at the Mary figure, and the flag of Tennessee is embedded in its robe. So mm-hmm. the red represents the new white hood. You know, these mm-hmm. mega hard right. I don't care. Um, my president is is a racist, so I will be two <laughs> kind of people. You know, who are pointing the finger. Uh, at us saying that everything is our fault. Pull yourself up by mm. your bootstraps. Go back to Africa. Right. Uh, and Tennessee is on it because that's embedded in Tennessee. You know, right. we're the South. You know, I think we were the first ones to succeed or something like that. I don't even remember, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tennessee is it is the South, and it has never been a place of progressiveness. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's so many. Everything from big boss politics to, you know, the president, uh, you know, Jefferson himself uh, stayed here in the Hermitage and, and here in Tennessee in Nashville. And, you know, Nathan Bedford Forrest has a park name after him here and, you know, mm-hmm. many other uh, things here that were all uh, racist in nature. So we have a long right. history with holding back people of color, uh, not respecting them, giving them their rights, etc. So, you know, that's what uh, the red robe figure is about. And um, the dog beneath him just represents the justice system and how uh, Mm -hmm. it is in favor of those who are paying it. The dog will only obey its master who's Mm -hmm. feeding him, who's giving him the treats. The shifting of the Supreme Court to a a, a right bent, you know, is is part of that. And the less... 
fairness we have in the very, you know, uh, building blocks of our legislative system, then the less fairness we will ever get. You know, those biases that these people carry with them mm-hmm. continue to affect us because, number one, if you're a judge, you shouldn't have any biases, which is impossible because you're a human. Right. But that's how they make it seem. Um, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, it's just showing that justice is not blind. And it is, in fact, very, very 2020 vision. Uh, and mm-hmm. I feel uh, I want to just call into play here that I feel like court cases should you shouldn't even see the person mm-hmm. who's on trial. You know, like you need to look at the facts, you need to look at the real evidence without mm-hmm. looking at somebody. Because as soon as you see somebody, you're going to automatically right. give them judgment based on whatever biases you have. Exactly. So um, okay. Okay. we'll move on over to the blue robe figure, and that represents the establishment. So, education, police, uh, the governmental bodies, and okay. the people who write history. And he's pointing towards the history mm-hmm. books where. They're burning the pages that they do not want people to know about. They forget where mm-hmm. government sanctioned or police sanctioned, mm-hmm. like the police beatings and the uh, massacres of Tulsa and of the MOVE group in Philly and um, the Rosewoods and the everything that's been destroyed and the Emmett Teals right. and the lynching postcards. So all of that bad history uh directed toward people of color as well as everybody else people forget the japanese internment camps you know people forget uh all of these other things that people have um, native americans especially just get screwed on a daily and (laughs) just pointing out that establishment itself is a giant issue and that those biases are built into the very fabric of their doctrines right the white robe figure represents um that person that's just like you know i haven't been racist um Mm. i'm not racist i don't have anything to do with this you can't blame me they're the silent bystander you know well maybe they deserve it slavery was hundreds of years ago get over it stop talking about it and it'll change pull yourself up by your bootstraps i'm poor i don't have any privilege all those kind of people and their inherent implicit biases and these Karens calling the police so black people doing everyday mm-hmm. things. So um, that's who the white robe figure is. They're just okay. nonchalant in the back. And the green figures represent the money that's kind of bankrolling all of these mm-hmm. talk, okay. like everything that is propaganda coming at us right. is all of that money and that media control and the people who push what they want out for us to see. And the ancestors in the background who are pulling these people's hoods off are simply just trying to give us the vision to see who these people are, to unmask Mm. them, to put them on blast, to talk to them and interact with them. Like that person in the background, you know, they really think they're a good person. That person in white, you know, they think they're a good person. They believe in God. They haven't hurt anybody. They don't call people to you know, right. uh, that person needs to be able to understand, even though they're not doing these things directly, that they are still part of this building block system. And that a right. small change within you to just even acknowledge that and start right. the process of changing how you treat people and how your mind thinks when you meet somebody or you see somebody um, 
can make all of the difference and speaking mm-hmm. up when somebody else gets out of line. Because if we don't all have the ability to, you know, speak up for people, then it, it, exactly. it doesn't make a difference. You have to change how people think uh, in order to actually have the system change or else the entire system just has to go away or be burnt down right. and, and built upon again. Um, right. And the final thing I'll touch on, uh, um, well, the Nashville in the background just represents how the Black community who's helped build Nashville is being pushed out by gentrification mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how we're on the outside now looking in every day. They creep and they take more and more uh, land yeah. from people who were there and swindle them in certain ways or the landlords decide not to rebuild and just sell and take the money and run and that there's no real community that they will invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final thing is... Um, the eyes. People always ask me why people's eyes and a lot of my paintings are blank. And mm-hmm. it's because they aren't real people. Like if I was doing a portrait of a real person and right. not like a mental state or a kind of an abstract term or, or feeling or thought that I'm trying to uh, push out, then they would have pupils. But this is not just a I'm looking here. Because when you put pupils in something, that means they have a direction Right. you know, have something in there that's responding back, but these don't. These are kind of more internal, you know, mental kind of thing yeah. and abstract yeah. thoughts that I'm um, just kind of putting out in the Right. They're representative. So they're, they're mm-hmm. systems. They're, you know, yes. all of that. Okay. I mean, that is dope, right? Like, there's, there's the ability to encompass all of that right in one piece I think says it says a lot um I guess you know I'm wondering was there an intention um so while you were explaining you know you were going back and forth between the the robed figures Mm -hmm. but also naming that they were men in your mind at least Mm -hmm. was there intention behind creating those figures as men well, really, because it's it is the white man that started mm-hmm. the system, is the white man that continues to control the system, and the white man is still the most trusted figure when right. people they've biased the entire world into their favor, into saying right. that they are the people that should be trusted. I mean, people can go out here as a white man and have zero qualifications and just lie and get a job, right. you know, just because people trust what they say. And mm-hmm. how if I walk in, like, they don't trust what I say. I am right. not a face that has trust written on it. And right. so just because of the skin tone, just because of that stereotype. So white men are at the basis of this foundation. And my husband yeah. is white. And he is, you know, a white person who has grown up in a household that is the people in the white robes there. They're good people. Mm. They aren't, you know, an overt racist. They don't hate people or whatever, right. but they don't understand these the problems they because contribute. they don't yeah. affect them and they don't understand how right. they can contribute. And it's 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 nothing bad about them, but if you don't do your job in trying to talk right. to people, if you love these people and you want to see them better, and you might uh, disagree, but you should be able to talk to people in your circle uh, even and disagree with them, but it let them know mm-hmm. how you feel and let them know, you know, how it affects them. And if they're a really good person, over time it can, you know, 
it can maybe pull that out of them or it may not, but you know, right. all things come to an end. So maybe their child you'll have an effect on and how, mm-hmm. you know, the next generation and if we can stop it at each right. turn, then it won't continue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a lot of what art is capable of doing, right? Is changing the future. So it can acknowledge, you know, the past, the past that has been erased. I think that's that's beautifully acknowledged in your piece in terms of bringing to light some of the things that we have seen intentionally erased um, from our history. But it also has the capacity to change minds and change the future and allow for a reimagination, you know, a reimagination mm-hmm. of, of what we can be as a society, as a community, mm-hmm. as a people. Um, rather than doing the same thing over and over again, right? This is all cyclical and we see it time and time again. And we have, we have yet to learn from our lessons. We have yet to learn. Um, I mean, you know, I I always have to say (laughs) that, you know, humans, we haven't actually cared about other humans' lives except for a very small time in history. Mm -hmm. Throughout history, people really haven't cared about other people's lives. So you have to think that as a society, there's never been a time where everyone has been mm-hmm. able to be successful and be treated equally. And we mm. really have to think about we're changing an entire mindset of the human race. In every right. society, everywhere, there's always been this lower and this upper. Right. And if we want to change how that is and make it so that everybody has that chance to to be a better person, then we're changing a hard mindset. Right. Right. So. That's a that's an interesting way to put it. Um, I don't think I've thought about it that way before. It makes it a little bit more daunting too. <laughs> like, is that is that attainable? Um, you know, I we won't know because it'll know. be keep going on long after. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Evolution and uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I do want to 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 back it up a little. So something you had mentioned while in your description was, you know, the white men that they have the trust, right? So that that's really um in terms of like the personification of who in our society has the trust is the one that's able to to make it right without doing the work or whatever it might be. Um that that's the goal, right? This is the shining star is a white man. Um and I know you have uh, thought a lot about and reflected a lot about your um, who you are as a black woman and also um, a black woman of size, right? And so that has also impacted the way in which you move about the art world. And so I wanted to to get into that a little bit. Um, what your ex- experience has been um, with what you're comfortable sharing, and then also how can we how can we, you know, navigate that in a way that creates a more positive art world for others who are experiencing the same thing? Well, as far as personal experience, it's just, you know, when people act different, you know what I mean? Like, right. if you step into a room being black, people will have a different tone than if so-and-so else walked in the room. And when I step into a lot of spaces, spaces that you don't see either people of size or especially black people of size in like right they look at you like you're crazy you know i hype mm. grand staircase escalante out in utah and it, 
no other black people were around. And the looks right. that, you know, we got when I pull up with my big old self, talk about hiking, this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this canyon, you know, and people just not knowing anything about you, but just automatically assuming these things right. and forgetting that this is America and look at how we eat and what we live that everybody right. in this sucker is, you know, overweight in some sort, but that has no bearing on your ability to do a lot right. of things as well as not even physical things, but people attribute your weight to your ability to produce work, uh, right. to be able to, to work normal jobs, to be able to think in complete sentences. Right. Like people literally think that you, if you're fat, you must be stupid, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, just not good at anything and you're just so lazy that you don't ever get right. out of bed or whatever. Right. Although, you know, I work more than anybody I know. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's just a, um, that particular um, uh, discrimination and, and bias that people hold in stereotypes um, for fat people has to change. Um, yeah. because it's just so many, like America's not getting smaller because we allow uh, right. food corporations to, uh, tell us what can be in food and mm-hmm. instead of, you know, and just what's offered and what's affordable. And there's many reasons, you know, it could be, you know, Absolutely. other issues too, but it could be just me. I sit on my butt and I tattoo a lot. <laughs> so, right. you know, right. I don't exercise like I should and I have no health problems. I'm not a drain on anybody's healthcare system. My genetics mm-hmm. show that a lot of people, you know, in our family line have been bigger and right. it's how it is. And I have no problems with it. I look good. My husband married me big. You know, I, <laughs> I produce right. good work. I don't have trouble reading. I don't have trouble climbing and hiking. I mm-hmm. don't, you know, so that shouldn't be what you judge me off of for my work and what I do. Right. Um, and just like anything else, equality is it. You allow me to show you who I am instead of right. you assuming and then offering me options based on what you assume, you know? Right. So that's really, um, that privilege of attractiveness, um, shouldn't apply to anything, but if you want to have sex with them in a personal way or not, right. it shouldn't apply to any other judgment of this person. You need to give them the opportunity to be able to speak. And that's that on that. <laughs> you know, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I want to I wanna also, you know, so yes, you produce, you contribute to society, all of that, right? And um, can you talk a little bit about the other piece, right? So there's, there's this attractiveness, attractiveness piece in terms of what people expect from you. And then there's also what people are willing to give you as an artist or you know pay you as an artist so can you talk a little bit about that and navigating that in the industry as you work as a black artist and create these amazing things and contributing to your community while at the same time navigating a space that tends to not pay people the way they should be you know compensated yeah i mean people forget that art is behind everything they see i mean any tv show any movie any video game you know there has to be a creative person back there to make that possible yeah the business and the marketing may not be there but the art has to be there in order for that business and marketing to also be effective so Mm -hmm. people need to understand it's a core part 
or else they need to do it themselves. Exposure right. doesn't pay anybody's bills. Uh, exposure is is a thing for a camera. It's not for somebody doing something. You don't ask mm-hmm. your plumber or electrician to right. to do it for exposure. You ask them their rates, and then you pay them their rates. Uh, and art is a skilled labor, just like an electrician Absolutely. or a plumber. Uh, if you're good in it, if you show that you have, you know, this record, if you have this portfolio, if you, you know, you're doing the work or if they love your work, then they need to pay right. you properly for it. And I'm also a very big advocate of art being a skilled labor and it should be literally put down the same way. I mean, professional house painters who just roll paint mm. out, they right. pay a lot of money, especially commercial Absolutely. painters. Like they charge so many dollars per square foot of wall that they pay. And artists should really be getting paid because what is the difference? The creative input that goes into what the artist does. (laughs) You know, like we have to actually think of ideas. We have to think of things that match. We don't just pick up a color and roll it out, you know, not to discount a painter because rolling paint sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. I'd rather paint with a brush and kind of be expressive right, instead right. of those repetitive movements. But, you know, what's the difference? And why wouldn't you right. want to pay somebody who's giving you their creative spirit? Just because I like to do something doesn't mean right. I want to do it for free for you. If I want to do right. something for free, then I'm going to do it for myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, then people always have demands. Oh, well, I want this exactly like this, but I don't want to pay you anything. Well, if you're mm-hmm. getting a custom thing done exactly how you want, I have zero freedom. Then this is right. just a job. This is not what I love to do. You know, um, I don't want to do your logo. You know, right. on a wall for no money. You know, so people just need to put art into their budget. And if they don't know how much they should be paying, they should just ask for quotes mm-hmm. from a professional painter and expect something about that <laughs> as to what they should be paying. And don't yeah. be mean and cheat somebody, you know, uh, some artists may not even know what they can get because they've been told right. that artists are supposed to starve. Right. And somebody right. started that mess and got people thinking they have to be poor in order uh, to be a professional artist and to create good work. No, uh, you know, yes, a struggling artist, both mentally and physically, can make great work, but you don't have to struggle to do good things. Like, right. You don't, you know, your experiences and how your mind thinks and how you output it onto canvas or other um, surface is what makes that art good, not the fact that you struggle or you have right. to starve in order to have art be your full time yeah. thing and to have your creative and your energy going into that. That's great. That's great. So you heard it here. Make sure you pay an artist. Um, I'm going to end with a question for you. What is the next project? What's coming up? What's on the docket? What should we be looking for as we continue to follow who you are and what you're creating? Well, I am doing a lot of pieces right now. Um, This one behind me is one in progress of a series that I'm working on um, just called Love Letters. It's kind of a tentative name. And it's kind of a collaboration between my husband, uh, who does poetry and prose, and myself with these paintings. And they're going to be a collaborative piece that I hope to have um, together to show at the beginning of next year if we don't have another COVID shutdown. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, and then the art crawl is June 27th from 6 to 9. My husband and I are also working on a um, installation for it that is supposed to try to tackle the microaggressions that layer to build this systemic racism that we have as Mm -hmm. seen in a white home, a typical kind of white American home, and Mm -hmm. how we can start to speak up against those who, so this is for, you know, white people, you know, Mm -hmm. who may want to know how to help or may just not even understand from their own standpoint, they maybe want a little more clarity. So we're using his experience as a white man, because I don't know the white experience. Mm. I'm mm-hmm. talking from my side that where the pain is. I'm not, you know, right, seeing right. from the other side of that boot. So me and him being able to talk and collaborate and really kind of know how people interact with each other and right. uh, in their various settings to try to make something that can maybe spark something to start ticking in people's minds. Because yeah. my focus, I think, from now on is really, not from now on, but just for for a while at least, I really want to focus on trying to change minds, trying to get that switch flipped so that they can start being receptive to changing themselves Mm -hmm. and in turn changing people around, you know, so and if you don't understand, if you don't if you don't try to have some empathy to see You know, we can't change your mind. So we want to just try to, using nostalgia and sensory immersion, mm-hmm. you know, uh, stuff, we're going to make it so that you kind of have to sit and think and, and give you a piece of paper when you leave. It kind of gives you right. instructions on your next steps to just go from there and just people to explore their own selves. So. Right, That's right. the next thing on the radar, and just trying to stay healthy and not get the the rona. Right. The rona, <laughs> man. They said they ain't never getting better. No, we the- don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. That's really great. And is this is this the first piece that you're doing collaboratively together? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I wish you the best of luck on that. It sounds really amazing. Um, I think you know the way in which you're approaching it from being able to to have your you know visual piece and then having the poetry like that coming together is just a powerful way to express yourselves and also get to the place where you are changing minds right um because everyone everyone is able to take in information differently and process differently um so i think that that's really beautiful that you're you're doing that and creating an opportunity for you to do it together right mm-hmm. um so yeah, I I want to thank you so much for for sharing your artistry, sharing your art, um, and really giving us an opportunity to to listen to you today. Um, and I definitely want to encourage everyone to check out the gallery with the mural, um, and really sit with it, uh, and you know discover some new things that perhaps weren't covered on the podcast. Um, you know some questions in your own head and allow it to just float with you like really really sit with the piece um and then check out the social media channels the website there's a lot of dope things to see 
on her pages. Um, and so I, I definitely recommend. If you're in Nashville, you you might want to, you know, look at a little tattoo art as well. So <laughs> you, there's a lot of ways to support in this particular uh, situation. Can I say one more thing? On my yeah. website, there's a free coloring book download. Got kids, oh, yeah. or you like to adult coloring? There's two coloring books on there, free. One's all about North Nashville history, and then the other one is called Nashville Strong that I did after the tornado and the corona. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you.